One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, you guys ready to do God's Word? Are you ready? Yeah, me too. I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles, get your Bible apps, get them open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 channel, Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7, and I'll be reading from a really interesting story here uh, in just a moment. You know, every year around February, uh, my wife and I, and, and really I will sometimes, sometimes go with staff, sometimes alone, but I'll just find myself in ministry settings. I've been really doing this uh, since... Uh, since I began pastoring, but I'll, I, I just find myself getting away into some settings where, uh, where I can be with other pastors. It, it's, it's a time for me to grow uh, spiritually, to be spiritually refreshed and, and to be emotionally refreshed. This year uh, was no exception. Rebecca and I, we, we also we pulled away for one of those events in early uh, February. It was a few days to spend some time and an annual pastor's gathering that I go to. And, and that very first morning, uh, we, were, we were there, and we were in this room full of pastors and wives, and, 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 and so many of them were struggling with identity issues. And these are pastors from all across the United States, uh, from churches as small as 25, 30 people to 6,000, 7,000 people. But we're all in there in that, in that atmosphere. Everyone's on the same level. And, and, and we began seeing that, that there's something that was in the room, like there were so many people struggling struggling with identity. Because what, what we begin to find out was that the leaders were basing their value, their own personal value, and even their identity and their successes and their failures of the churches that they lead. And, and what this was causing was these like emotional strangleholds that were crippling a lot of the pastors and the pastor's wives. Um, in, in that setting, God began to minister some life and and, uh, and I was writing down the things God was speaking to me as well. And we, we just found ourselves as, as a whole just getting, uh, refreshing our identity with God in that moment. And it, it, it was a powerful moment. And, and, and I remember writing this down. I put it in my notes. I referred back to it as I was preparing today. But I, I wrote something down in my notes and it said, this is just proof that no one is immune to identity issues. None of us are. In fact, the honest truth is, it's a daily battle for every single one of us. And I want to fight that battle for myself, and I want to fight it with you as well. Today, I want to propose something. I want to propose that who you are is not really based upon your last name. It's not based upon your occupation. Your identity is not in the type of volunteerism you do here in the city. It's not about your passions or your hobbies. It's not about your ethnicity. You see, who you are is not about what people say about you, and it's not what people say to you. It's not what even your depression tells you. Today, I want to I go deep. I want to go deep. Will you go deep with me, guys? Amen. All right, 1 Samuel, 
chapter 16, we're introduced to this major historical figure. First time he comes up in the scriptures. Uh, he's a big uh, figure in Christianity and Jewish history. Uh, up until this point, this individual was basically unknown. You see, he didn't have any of the external markings that he was a person who would amount to anything in his life. Basically, his birth order put himself at the tail end of his family. His occupation had him doing the, the lowest of the jobs in the culture. And so the story basically goes like this. Uh, God spoke to the prophet, the prophet Samuel, and, and, and spoke to Samuel saying that Israel needed a new king. And so the prophet Samuel said, okay, what do I do? And God said, I want you to go to this particular house. And one of the sons in this house is the next king. So he goes there and, and he meets the, the, the owner of the house or the, the, the father of the house, the dad, and his name is Jesse. And, uh, and he said, Jesse, uh, Jesse, you know, he's, I'm sure, an older man. And, and he said, one of your sons is to be the next king of Israel. And uh, so I want you to present your sons to me. So David, so Jesse got his sons and he got, he got his seven oldest and most polished and, and, and the, best, the best of his sons. And he, uh, he got them all cleaned up, told them to get cleaned up and get looking good because they're, they're going to get to come in and make these individual um, presentations of themselves to Samuel the prophet. A huge moment for the family. And so then the most mature, the strongest, and the wisest, the, the firstborn son walks in. And so we pick up on this story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when this is happening. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, take a look at it. It's, it's so the, the, the first son walks in, and the Lord said to Samuel, okay, this is good, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. This is good right here. If there's anything you take home today, get this next scripture, this, next, this, this portion right here. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Okay, the story keeps going. It says, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. Samuel says, well, the Lord's not chosen him either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by. And Samuel said, nor has the Lord cho chosen this one. So it says Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. <laughs> and so he asked Jesse, he goes, so are these all the sons you have? And in other words, like, I thought God told me one of your sons is going to be the next king, except God keeps telling me no every time I see one of them. And he goes, well, they're still the, the youngest, uh, you know, but, but he's, he like, he, he's taking care of sheep. <laughs> uh, Samuel said, okay, this is good. He says, send for him, and we're not even going to sit down until he arrives. In other words, I don't want him cleaned up. I don't want him freshened up. I don't want to put on his cool city clothes for the day. I get, him, get him in here the way he is, and get him in here quick, because you and I are not sitting down until he gets in here. I don't know how old Jesse was, but he probably didn't like that idea, and so they were going to stand until David walked into the room, and there he came in. You see, Dad forgot about David the filthy shepherd. And David appeared before the prophet in his shepherd attire, stinking from being outside. And at that moment, Samuel then anointed him as the king. And this is an incredible plot twist right here in this story. 
Well, if you look forward in the next chapter, I'd like for you to flip over to chapter 17. Look at chapter 17, verse 28, because a little while later, there was this giant by the name of Goliath. And most of you have heard the story. Uh, he had led, uh, led his armies to attack Israel, and he was this huge warrior, and, and, he, and, uh, and everybody was afraid to fight him. And God's people were there, and, and the army of Israel were there. All of David's brothers were out there. Of course, David's home taking care of the sheep. Dad said to David, he said, David, I want you to go take some food. You need to be a food delivery boy. You know, I, I'm going to upgrade you from a shepherd boy. I'm going to upgrade you from, you know, taking care of sheep in the meadow to the Uber Eats guy. And so, so he, he's, you're going to transport food to these, to your brothers. So he, he does his Uber Eats jobs and shows up there and, and, and is, it is right there looking at the whole setting. And he's, he's hearing what the, the Goliath guy is saying and watching everybody's hiding and he says this is crazy he said said you know what are they offering somebody to kill this guy and and the brother was listening and it didn't go so well take a look at what happened to mr uber eats now this is when he had stepped up in his job all right in chapter 17 verse 28 the story resumes says when uh, eliab david's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men he burned with anger at him and he asked why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep out in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. I, I, I know how wicked your heart is. You just came down here to watch the battle. Now, as, as a younger brother, I, I'm the youngest of all my brothers, and so I, I, I kind of know this, this response here. David gave the same response I would have given. It's like, well, now what have I done? I mean, can I even talk? Can I speak? That was his response. See, the older brother mocked him and berated him, but then David went out and slew Goliath. Several years later, David becomes the king of Israel. You know, it's a good thing he didn't take his identity cues from his dad good thing he didn't take his identity cues from his brother see people even those who are closest to you will look at the outside but god looks at you a completely different way god looks at you from the inside see david's identity was not coming from what somebody else said about him or thought about him. See, his, his identity was from God. This whole identity thing was being shaped in him for a long time because he was a worshiper. You see, when he would be out in the fields watching the sheep hour after hour, day after day after day, he, he would be out there and he would be strumming his instrument, you know, and, and you know, basically a guitar, and, and, and he would be singing his made-up songs of worship to the Creator. And, and so what he was doing is David was putting God first right in the middle of his boring, stale, repetitive, lower-class lifestyle. And you know what? None of that stuff got the best of him because God was first. He had an identity that he had received from God. And he was cool with it. Here's the question. Where does your identity come from? Where does it? truth is identity comes from god the father that is where it comes from see identity is, is lifelong it's not based upon what you're currently doing right now it's not even about what you want to do it's not about what other people say about you your identity is not based upon the video games you play it's not about the sports you excel at it's not about your powerful marketplace skills that, that's helping you to flourish your identity comes from god the father and it is lifelong you see god says who you are. God says it. 
Yeah. Truth is, yet still a lot of times people think, well, they have to find themselves. And so to find yourself, I've got to indulge in my desires and, and thinking that, that if I just follow my desires, I follow my passions, that, that that's going to give me identity. But I'm just telling you guys that never, ever works. That is a recipe for confusion and frustration for the rest of your life because your desires will continue to change for the rest of your life. It, it happens that way. See, I, I want you to come out of that darkness of trying to find yourself, and I want you to thrive. It's our, it's our theme this year. It's called, It's Time to Live. And I want you to be who the Father made you to be. And that basically is this. It's a child of God who's put on this earth to make Jesus known, to influence as many people as possible in as many ways as possible. See, the Father, He made you to be one who is to take other people on spiritual journeys and to do what Jesus did. Make disciples. Love the marginalized. Give hope to the orphans and the widows and to make Jesus known. Your identity is not about your occupation. It's not about your career. What you do is not who you are. And, 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 and when you get that, when you begin to get that about yourself, what you'll find is that you can then begin to love yourself. And, and you'll start loving other people for who they are and not for what they do, which is huge. See, this is where acceptance comes in. And so much of the culture says, you know, well, why can't I just be accepted? And there's not a lot of acceptance out there because people don't accept themselves because they don't know who they are. But you get this in line, and then it's okay. Here's the deal. I, Tim, I want to be loved for who I am. Not what I do, a particular task, or even for one of my four primary roles. Those my four roles, which I tell you about often, they're not my identity. That's what I, that's what I do, and it's a big, big part of my life. It's special, it's important to me. So in other words, I don't want you to love me because I'm a pastor. I don't, I don't want you to love me because I'm a leader. I don't want you to love me because I try to be a good husband. I don't want you to love me because I try to be a good father. Yeah, those are really, really important. But they're not me. They're the roles that I live out. I want you to love Tim because I'm Tim. I serve Jesus. I don't want you to love other people around you just because also. And, and, and you, you begin to live that way and you'll watch how people around you will start to flourish. See, that, that's what gives people hope, guys. So, so for, you, for you yourself, it's making this decision that I know who I am because it's time for some of you to end your self-hatred, your, your anger, the destruction of relationships, your hatred of everyone and constantly being the victim because if you know who you are in jesus then you are already enough and then you can love other people the way you love yourself and the way god loves you you don't have to do any more comparing the comparison stuff is is, is a thief of joy comparison is always rooted in a lack of identity always I am challenging you guys to flee the comparison game. Flee that game. Uh, compare yourself to the Father's opinion of you 
That's why we need to sometimes maybe just toss Instagram aside. I, I do it. We all do it. But we look at that stuff and we compare and compare and compare and compare and compare and compare and compare. That's not what we're wired to do. That's destructive. My son Devin is coming up right now, and he's going to share a little bit more on this very real issue of identity. So will you guys give Devin a big one? Encourage him as he comes on up here. Come on up, Devin. Take the word of God and go for it. I'll go for it. What's up? What's up, guys? Hey, you guys, hopefully you guys aren't asleep. Um, last Friday, I was really tired. And you know what? Do you ever get really tired and then you find yourself laughing at certain things that you normally wouldn't laugh at? You know what happened to me? I was so tired. I heard someone, I heard someone say, man, TGIF, right? And I laughed. I laughed at that. And I was like, what is happening to me? So hopefully you guys are not that tired, okay? So I'm very, very excited to uh, be able to share this topic with you. Um, Because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's something that I've had to deal with myself personally um, just throughout my life. And it's taken some time to really, you know, figure out who I really am in Christ, in Jesus. And there was a, uh, I have a friend, and when he found out that I was going to be speaking about identity, you know, he asked me about it. And um, I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be speaking about identity. And he goes, oh, cool, cool. Um, you know, that's, that's really interesting because this whole world really deals with identity theft. That's a joke, guys. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. You can laugh. You can laugh. See? <laughs> no, but he's, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. And, uh, but yeah, he's my good friend. He was in the last service, but uh, I figured I would just say that. Anyway, so let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles and your Bible apps open, open up to Colossians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. So as you can clearly see, if you've noticed, you know, I don't come from a very athletic family. What do you mean what? You know it's true. I don't come from a very athletic family because the truth is we can look the part But performance-wise, you know, it's laughable. Let's be honest. It's laughable. And in middle school, this proved to be, like, quite an issue for me because all of my friends at that time were just obsessed with sports. If I was at their house, I wanted to play video games, they'd say, no, bro, let's go throw the football. I said, no, bro, I don't want to throw the football. I just want to play some video games. But then as time went on, I was like, you know, I I guess maybe I should just learn how to play sports. And also I began to notice that most of the girls liked the people who played sports. I believed that lie. What's wrong with me? So I began to, I was like, you know what, that's it. The time has come for me to now join the sport. Join a sport. See, that's how much I knew. I was going to play baseball. I I was like, you know what, I think I'll be pretty good at that. You know, I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen the Sandlot like once, so it should work out just fine. So I get there, I sign up, you know, me and my buddies, we're all ready to play some baseball. So the day of, uh, the first day of practice rolls around, and, you know, the first thing that I noticed you know, something was wrong was that my, my baseball glove was smaller than everyone else's. I was like, 
you know, I don't know if I have like a, a t-ball glove or what, uh, but this is not right. But I began to get in there and I owned it. And, uh, you know, practice was going good. You know, I was throwing, you could say, like a girl from Sandlot. But uh, it's weird because I feel like girls throw better than me. And so I don't know what then I throw like. But I, but I was confident. I was ready. And um, then by the end of practice, I felt like I was doing okay. I was learning some stuff. Then the end of practice came, and the coach said, okay, guys, now it's time for us to uh, practice our batting. And no one can go home until you hit at least one ball. And at that moment, at that moment, I knew it was over. <laughs> and so it rolls around and we're, you know, I got my bat, I'm ready. And um, so everyone goes before me because my, since my last name is Woody, it starts with a W, so I go last just in about everything if it's alphabetical. So I'm watching everyone hit the ball on their first or second try, and then I'm like, ah, Jesus, please. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> and so I get up to the plate. The moment arrives. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just getting ready. Just find the right pose. I was just watching to make sure to see if I was doing it right because, you know, I'd study their, how they were standing, and so I just tried to mimic that. And so but then the first ball comes around, and I swing, and I miss. I say, it's all right. Some people miss the first one, too. And then the second one comes, and I miss that, too. And then the third one comes, and then I don't hit that one, either. <laughs> and so I'm, like, feeling really discouraged at that point. But then I heard one of my friends in the dugout, I heard him say, can we just go home? He's never going to hit it. Yeah, and then he said, look at the way he swings, and I was like, oh, I heard that, and I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe he's right. I really let that get into my heart, and that day, I left practice without hitting a single ball because I let what he was saying get into my heart, and I began to believe, you know what, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm just uncoordinated. Maybe that's just who I am. Maybe I'm just unathletic. Maybe I'm not good enough. And I let what he said get into my heart, and I took on this false identity of not being good enough. And I went home defeated. So I want to ask you, what false identity are you living with right now? It may be an identity of feeling impure based upon past mistakes. It may be an identity of hopelessness. And no matter how hard you try, you're going to keep getting the same result just over and over. Hopelessness. Maybe it's an identity of, like what my dad said, maybe it's your job, your occupation. And if you were to lose that job, who knows? You may not even know who you are anymore because you're so consumed with your, your occupation. You, you just you need that to feel secure. Maybe it's social media. 
and what you believe about yourself is based upon how others perceive you. And if you don't get enough likes on a picture one day, that picture determines your mood for the rest of the day, maybe the week. If you're in Colossians, I want to read the scripture to you. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. This is what it says. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then you will also appear with him on that day in glory. And so what this scripture is saying is that we no longer have to find our identity in the world. Because now that we're in Christ, we get to live in his glorious identity. And I think the reason that we struggle to find ourselves it's because we were created to reflect the glory of God. We were created to reflect Jesus and not be so consumed about ourselves, even though it's so easy to go down that trap. And I think, honestly, one of the issues that, you know, that I, I began to realize that one of my problems was the reason why I couldn't make Jesus my identity for a long time was because I believed that it wasn't enough. Because there are Christians around here who are living with different identities. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that Christ is, that you're, you're living with what he says you are. You're living in his identity. And ultimately, it comes down to a belief do you believe that Jesus, having an identity with Jesus, believing that you are who he says you are, yeah. believing that that's enough for you? Yeah. And so at the end of practice that day, I went home. I was very defeated. But, you know, throughout the day, I began to change my mindset. I began to change my belief about myself. I began, you know what? Sure, I might be a little bit uncoordinated, but I can get better. That doesn't mean I'm terrible. Sure, I may not be naturally athletic, but I can get there. I can have fun doing it. And by some divine miracle, I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was just, I don't know, maybe God stepped in and just, or maybe or maybe maybe God was guiding the baseballs to my bat but something something changed and by the end of that baseball season I was awarded MVP for offense for offense for the most runs on the team and it started with me with not taking with what my friend was saying what everyone what I felt like I was the unathletic uncoordinated not good enough it started with me believing that I was good enough. Who I am truly in Jesus. 
And so I want to ask that question to you. Do you believe that an identity with Christ is enough? Because the truth is, is that our identity is found when we stop trying to figure out who we are and start becoming who we were created to be in Christ. And so how do we do that? How do we begin to live with that identity in Christ? Well, when you go to work, it starts with just you beginning to declare who God is over your life, and then you're going to begin to walk in it. So when you go to work tomorrow or throughout your week, and that coworker who just always finds a way to criticize you at every turn and always tries to make you feel down and low like you're not good enough, begin to declare that you are chosen by God, and you are not there just by chance. You are not there by mistake. You are worthy. You are called. Begin to declare that over your life and not believe what someone else is saying about you. Begin to walk in that confidence. And whenever there's family issues going on, everyone in your family is just arguing, arguing. Just begin to tell yourself and remind yourself, yeah, my family isn't perfect, but I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am made for such a time as this. And when you feel impure, unloved, and you feel just like a failure at every single turn, just remember who God says that you are. You are the head and you are not the tail. You are made for such a time as this. God has called you. He wants you to prosper. He has an amazing plan for your life that if only you would just trust in him. Live in the identity that he's called you to. Because his plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. And plans to give you a hope and a future. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen, amen. Thanks, Devin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, so identity. Identity, it comes from God the Father, all right? Remember, it's not about the things that people praise you for. Your identity is not about your criticisms that come from other people. It comes from God the Father. And I, I've learned to grow secure in that identity. And I'm telling you what, it's a good place to be. Peter, a man who struggled with identity in the Bible, he, uh, he was like the, Jesus. He was the main man of Jesus' disciples. He was at the top. But he wrote it this way. He put it this way. And, and he, he, says, he says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result of knowing who you are, You see, you can show the goodness of God to others, for he called you out of the darkness. You know, you don't have to try to figure out who you are anymore. (laughs) Into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity, now you're God's people. I'll tell you all. That's what God thinks about you. You do have identity. And you have been called out of darkness, out of confusion and frustration of trying to figure out who you are. Guys, I'm telling you, it's time to live. It's time for you to really, really, really live. I also think it's a real tragedy also, though, uh, when people stand up and make generalized statements about people, groups of people, even even you, you based upon 
a birth date, based upon skin color, based upon gender, based upon a socioeconomic level, based upon your sport or your skill or your career. It's a tragedy that a lot of people, they're doing that, but they're trying to define you and basically tell you that you really just don't measure up. And there's so much of that in our culture. It's very pervasive, especially the millennial jokes and all of that. And I just think it just needs to stop, in my opinion. I, it's, it's never right. It's just never right. It's a message of discouragement. It's a message of degradation. It's not much different than what David's dad and what David's brother did to him. But I'm telling you guys, the church has to do the opposite. We are supposed to build faith, increase hope, bless one another, instead of cursing with words that demean. And almost as dangerous as is the attitude where you tell someone or someone tells you, well, just go find yourself, go, go chase your dreams, be driven by your passions, and eventually you'll know who you are and everything's going to be just fine. No! I know the culture says it, but I'll just tell you that's wrong. That's detrimental. It sounds nice, but it's empty and it's irresponsible because it leads to a dead end every time. I want to I model to you a better way. It's really based upon what we see there in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and, and as well as what, what uh, Peter said as well. You see, this man, Jesse, he had seven sons. <clears throat> Prophet Samuel he said, the Lord's not chosen any of these seven sons. Do you have any more? He goes, yeah, but uh, he's, he's the youngest. He's so immature. You know, he, he's out there with, with sheep right now, um, making music, you know, with a few sheep strumming on some instrument. And, and he plays with weapons all the time. I mean, come on. Samuel said, get him. Send for him now. When shaggy David entered the room, the Lord said to the prophet, anoint him. He's the one I've chosen. The prophet took him and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and his dad. And from that day on, the Bible says that the Spirit of the God came on David with power. Now, in this time and in this space, I'm also asking, are there any more like David. And I believe God's answering, yes, yes, they're all around you. And many of them are being minimized and mocked by the culture, but God says you are anointed. God says, rise up. God says, step out. The, the Lord looks upon you and he sees a son and a daughter. And so your pastor looks upon you with faith. This church looks upon you with faith because you are chosen. You are spiritual royalty. You are like a priest. You're holy. You're the, you're the property of God the Father. You're, you're not in the dark trying to find yourself. You are called out of that. You're called into the light. You have an identity. You are a child of the Most High God. So don't you let anyone despise you because of your birth date, your occupation, your body size or style, your failures, your inadequacies. Don't let anyone mockingly say, you can't do it. <laughs> no, no. And don't listen to the lies that keep floating around in your own head as well. 
Because I believe the Lord is also coming up on you with power. And you will have the power of God. And you do have it. And you will go into the culture. And you will work signs and wonders. And, 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 and you will change culture. And you will impact culture makers. And the culture will not change you. I really, really believe that when you, when you truly know who you are, you will not be overcome by the enemy, but you will overcome the enemy. You'll be able to stand firm where religion couldn't even stand before in the past, and it's because you're not doing it in the name of religion. You're doing it in the name of Jesus because he's your God, and you're certain of your identity. You're blessed. You're a son, and you're a daughter of God. Hey, stop letting fatherlessness stop letting a lack of an anchor in your life stop letting assigned identities stop letting personal pain tell you who you are stop stop trying to find yourself who are you you are who god says you are you are who you can just make it personal you can just say i am who god says i am I am who God says I am. Who are you? I am who God says I am. Who are you guys? I am what? Who God says I am. Come on, say it with me. I am who God says I am. Come on, be bold enough to say it. I am who God says I am. Say it again. Come on. I am who God says I am. I'd like there to be no movement at this time. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and focus internally. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus. Possibly You've drifted from your relationship with God and you want to know the Jesus that I talk about. I want to give you an opportunity to respond by lifting your hand. I want you to know this. Jesus loves you so much more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you could have life and identity and eternity. If you'd like to be a part of my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand at the count of three so that I can connect my faith with yours. Will you lift your hand? One, two, three. That's what I want, Pastor. I want that. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If you lift your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else? Awesome. Here's what I want to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you, along with everyone else in this room, to stand to your feet because we're going to pray together, all right? Come on, everyone in this room, pray with me. Pray with me. Come on, if you lifted your hand, I want you to mean this from the bottom of your heart. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the identity that you have given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can keep in touch with what is coming this season through social media and our City Life app. And Sunday, our favorite day of the week is on its way. We hope to see you at City Life.